Welcome to Conversations Live. For more than a decade, we've brought you the best in books, entertainment, celebrity interviews, and current events. When the movers and shakers of the world have something to say to you, they say it to us first. Here's your host, Cyrus Webb. Welcome back, everyone, to Conversations Live. I'm your host, Cyrus Webb. Glad you all could join us once again. For a radio audience tuning in at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, we're glad that you all can be with us. Also, tuning in to our online affiliates around the world, we're glad you all could be with us as well. I am very excited about our next guest. We had some technical issues happen earlier this year, and our next guest was supposed to be with us earlier, but I'm, I'm a real believer in timing being everything. So we're excited to welcome Helena DeBrest to our broadcast today. She's the author of the new book called How to Be Multiple, The Philosophy of Twins. It is a great book that looks at science, but also her own personal experience of being a twin, and also what it means to be herself as well. When I talk to Helena, not only about the writing and research for the book, but also what it's been like for her to be a part of these conversations, I'm curious as to what she's been hearing, maybe even from other twins, and what she hopes you're able to take away from the book as well. Helena, thank you again for stopping by. I really do appreciate the time. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, the pleasure is definitely all mine. And again, I said it to you earlier, but I want to say it again. Thank you again for working with us. You know, technology is great when it works, but when it doesn't, it definitely can cause issues, especially for live <laughs> radio. <laughs> so I appreciate you working with us on the, on the reschedule. But, Elena, this book is so fascinating. And there are so many things that came to my mind. I'm not a twin myself, but there's so many things that came to my mind that I had questions about. So I'm curious, what has the conversation been like for you to be able to talk about not only the book and the science of it, but also your own personal experience as well? It's been so fun, actually, having the book come out. Twins, are they're a social minority. You know, they're not oppressed like some minorities, but they're a numerical minority. There's just not that many of us. So I don't run into twins very often. But um, in the process of publicizing this book, I've met so many twins. They all turn up to my events. You know, they get in touch over email. So it's sort of been like finding this community of twins that I wasn't connected to before. So that has been wonderful. Um, they're not just twins. Also connecting with singletons, as we call them. Uh, my hope with the book was that it would also, uh, you know, be something that non-twins could relate to in their own lives, and that seems to be the case too. Such a great point. I, I love the fact, and it, and it's. I think it's maybe it's to be expected, Helena. I'm curious as to your thoughts about this because I know you spend a lot of time researching this, but. I think we live in such an interesting world where we are told two things. One, we're told to be ourselves, and yet there are so many things trying to tell us what that's supposed to look like, <laughs> you know, what yourself <laughs> is supposed to look like. What was it like for you to kind of think about those dynamics and go into the book, How to Be Multiple, that you are an individual, and yet science, of course, will try to tell you things that maybe you don't necessarily see in yourself or agree with for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So we do have this, in Western cultures anyway, this very individualistic model of what it is to be you know, a proper person or what it is to live uh, in the right way. So you know, obviously we want people to get into relationships. We're always trying to say that you need to retain a sense of yourself as fundamentally distinct from other people. You know, we're obsessed with boundaries, right? It's unhealthy if your mental or emotional uh, barrier between yourself and someone else becomes porous. Um, but when you look at the way that humans live, always have lived and continue to live, then people are actually deeply social beings. And one really nice thing about twins is they illustrate that point maybe to an extreme degree. <laughs> so twins tend to see themselves 
um, is being more merged than the average ideal suggests. Um, they tend to define their identities in relation to each other. Their relationships are often really close. So they really put pressure on that, that image of what the ideal human life is like in a way that I think is instructive for non-twins too. Got you. So when you were writing this book, of course, as I mentioned, you're having a twin sister, Julia, who's also a part of this book. We can talk about what that was like for you to have her being a part of this experience as well. But did you go into it with more of a a slant toward exploring the science, uh, Helena, or did you realize so much of your own personal self would be in the book? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I'm not a scientist exactly. There's certainly a chapter on the science of behavioral genetics, right, the, the whole nature-nurture debate. Um, but most of the theory that's in the book is philosophy, since I'm a philosophy professor. Uh, so there's a lot of theory. Um, and I did think from the beginning, I want this to be a mix of theory, um, philosophy and science, and also my own experience. I don't want to do this kind of cold, you know, and detached, pretending that this isn't a deeply personal subject for me. So I wanted to be a mix of memoir and theory from the beginning. And it was hard to work out how to do that so that one didn't kind of dominate the other. So um, yeah, in the final product, it really is a mix of stories about my own life and also stories about twins across the culture, you know, twins in film, literature, myth, popular culture in general. So there are heaps of examples. I didn't want it to be too abstract. That's always a risk for a philosopher. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah. And, and Helena, to that point, it seems like some of it is even, you know, not, you know, not even something you think about, just sub- subconscious. I think that the chapter in in the in the book, "Are You Too in Love?" I want to read something that you that you wrote when you're talking about your sister, and I and I love this for those who have the hardcover. The book's on page one twenty one and goes into one twenty two. But this is what you say, Helena, as you're talking about your sister. You say, "When I talk about my relationship with Julia, I find myself speaking in phrases sapped of forces by centuries of overuse by singleton romances. What does it feel like? People want to know." It feels like she's always there for me, I say. I can never get enough of her company. We have more fun together than we have with anyone else. We understand each other better than everyone. We can tell each other everything. We trust each other completely. We do anything for each other. And then you say this, and I think this is so interesting. I I make myself sick, but now and then the violent truth underlying these cliches surfaces, giant and graceless like a whale. I was speaking about Julia a few years ago to a minor acquaintance at a bar when I heard myself say casually, one sip into a martini, if I betrayed her, I couldn't live. I blinked and returned to my drink, self-startled. It wasn't the thought I'd explicitly entertained before, let alone articulated to to a semi-stranger. I want to talk about that because what was that like for you to have these epiphanies as you kind of thinking about, again, yourself, but also your relationship with your sister? Yeah, that's a really great question. It was actually, it was a very emotional process writing the book. You know, a lot of the topics I discuss um, have, you know, I can approach them in a more detached theoretical way, but as I was writing about them and trying to weave my own experience in, um, I would come across these moments where I would remember something very vivid from my childhood or just an experience that had more recently um, that felt like very um, being a twin is a, a really uh, special experience um, and often I hadn't up until this point theorized about it or thought about it directly very much. It was so built into who I was. So spending a sustained amount of time really reflecting on it brought up all these feelings and experiences that I hadn't really attended to before. 
Um, so I've always known that I've deeply loved my sister, but I hadn't thought about the ways in which the way that I talked about it was similar to the ways that romantic couples talk about their partners. You know, I don't want to say that twins are romantic couples, but one of the interesting things about twins is they give us an example of a non-romantic relationship that's nonetheless, you know, really, really central to a person's life, which is a unusual sort of non-normative way of being in our culture. Right. And I think that is what makes this so interesting. As you even talk about in another powerful chapter in the book, Helena, which one are you? I love the fact that there is this whole idea of, you know, there. And I remember I was I went to school actually. Uh, interestingly enough, Helena, which is why maybe this book appealed to me initially because I actually had two sets of twins in my graduating class. Um, okay. <laughs> So and and it was so interesting because with it was uh, girls and boys and so the the girls would dress alike and do things want to do things together the boys did try to express themselves more as individuals and and I think you know there it kind of goes to that dichotomy I was mentioning to you earlier about you know being being a twin right and being recognized as a twin but also feeling that need did you when you were reading the book did it seem like for you this is just the way life was Helena or did you feel as though you had something to prove as Helena the brace yourself yeah there's that um that tricky interplay um when children who are twins are growing up with wanting to foster their individual selves and wanting to you know maintain the special relationship and parents really struggle with how to manage it. There's lots of advice telling parents, you know, put them in different classrooms, don't dress them in the same outfits, you know, make sure they have distinct friend circles. People are really panicked that twins will become overly invested in each other and not be able to sort of function in society later. Um, So it comes from a good place, but I feel like that's really an overblown fear. Um, Twins can be super close um, in their young age and still, you know, function perfectly like non-pathological humans later. But a lot of our stories about twins end up being horror stories uh, where twins become, you know, really very codependently intertwined. You see movies where they become obsessed with each other or else they go in the opposite direction and they hate each other. There's these kind of fears that twins raise that I think really say more about non-twins' attitudes to love and to closeness than they do about actual twin relationships. I guess my thought is that parents can probably relax a little. I think the twins can sort it out without too much <laughs> too much guidance. Yeah. Sort of let the twins do what they need to do because it'll be a different experience for different pairs of twins. I love that. That's such a great point. I want to say for those who are just tuning in, welcome. You all are listening to Conversations Live here on the radio side at WYAD 94.1 FM and WYADonline.com, also our online affiliates. We're speaking with Dave today with author Helena DeBrace. We're talking with her about her brand-new book, How to Be Multiple, The Philosophy of Twins. I referenced the chapter, Which One Are You? I want to read something you wrote there, Helena, and talk to you about it because I think this is another thing that goes into – the thought I was having earlier about individuality or in, in kind of discovering who you are and, and who you're supposed to be. You say this, uh, for those who have the hardcover edition, again, on page number 55, uh, I suggested that we humans um, binarize to make the chaos we encounter easier to manage, to make our surroundings seem more orderly and predictable and ourselves seem powerful, special, and good. But some things being useful or gratifying doesn't make it true. 
when I consider the messy history of my beliefs about what my own self is like, I don't seem to have any reason to trust them. Am I really the quiet one, the together one, the minister for the interior, or is that just a story I've come to tell myself for my own comfort? Is my authentic self actually something quite different from the one I detect in operation today? Is some other, truer, primitive, Helena, lurking in the depths? If so, how can I possibly locate her after a lifetime of misdiagnosing and squashing her? Or, here the vertigo ramps up another level, maybe there's no there there. Maybe everything we tell ourselves about ourselves is just a front, and the self is an illusion all the way down. That is one of the most powerful things I've read all year, Helena. Uh, because oh, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> well, well, well think, I mean, I guess kind of looking at it broader, I think everyone feels that way. Am I real or am I a fraud? You know, am I truly the person people think I am or I want people to think I am? Or is that a facade that I've kind of built for myself because of what's expected? What was it like for you to kind of have that, that check-in with yourself? Yeah, well, it can plunge you into a bit of an existential crisis, right? So that, that passage in the book comes at the point in the chapter where I've explained how, you know, I was raised to think that I was the quiet one, right, the introvert, um, and my sister was this bubbly extrovert. Um, but when I think back on how that process happened, it seems to me like a lot of that was, you know, sort of taught to us early on it's not clear whether or not it was really there to begin with so it feels very much like my sense of who I am has been constructed by my relation with my sister and also with other people watching me and my sister you know trying to tell each of us who we were um but that's an experience you can have whether you're a twin or not right if you're sort of tagged in the family you know as the athletic kid or like you know I don't know the nerdy daughter or you know the good one or the evil one you can have that if you're not a twin too um, I think twins are a really good example of it because it's just so tempting for people to put them at either end of the binary we see that you know in movies and in, in novels as well as in real life so twins are a really sharp instance of it but many of us can feel that way and then this question arises like if if yourself has been socially defined in relation to other humans you happen to be hanging out with, um, then, you know, what what can you say about your true self or your essence? Um, so it is a question that arises for all of us. Yeah, what That's was it like? I, I mean, yeah, and I, I end up saying in that chapter that I don't think we need to freak out when we realize that our self, our identity has been formed um, in that social way. Because, again, you know, we are all social beings. Um, there's actually nothing... You know, in a way, it's, there's something beautiful about your very being being affected by those you love and who love you. Um, so you can see it in a, um, a non-scary way, in fact, a valuable way, uh, once you've kind of got a grip on it. Yeah. I mentioned earlier your sister Julia is a part of this as well with the illustrations. What was it like for you having her be on this journey with you? It was so fun. <laughs> it was really fun. She's um, she's a professor too. She's a professor of sociolinguistics, and she does lots of work on how we talk about um, kind of minority groups. Uh, so she was actually quite handy. 
of the book too, not just in the illustration. She would always read drafts, give me some ideas, tell me some things to read. So it was really this deeply collaborative project from the beginning, um, which was so nice because we used to function that way when we were kids too. We would work on projects together. So it was kind of a throwback to the 1980s, which is when we were kids, um, to be able to do this. It was just a blast. Love it, love it. So, so what is your hope, Elena? There is so much in this book that I think will have people talking and definitely, I think, give them some insight. But what, what was your personal hope for the book? I guess I had two hopes. One, one was a hope about my singleton readers. Um, I wanted to help them to, to ask questions about personal identity, about free will, about love, about justice. Um, in this, you know, fun and engaging way, twins are just fun to think about. So I wanted to help singletons think about some of these deeply human questions in an accessible way. Um, when it comes to twins, um, I really wanted them to be able to see their experience reflected because so much of our writing about singletons, or about twins rather, is written by singletons. So I wanted to give twins some, some resources to articulate what twinhood is like from the inside. Um, and just connect with them. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hope that both singletons and twins can find things in this book that, that illuminate aspects of their own experience, so maybe in different ways. Yeah, I love that. Such such a great thing. Again, everyone, Helena DeBrace has been our guest. The book is How to Be Multiple, The Philosophy of Twins. It is available, of course, through our friends at Amazon.com or through your favorite local bookstore. If you don't have it, I know they'd be more than happy to be able to order it for you. Helena, I really do appreciate you stopping by today. How can our audience stay connected with you? Uh, well, I'm on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I also have a personal website, um, which they can Google using my very distinctive name, <laughs> or they can go through my department page at Wellesley College. I'm in the philosophy department there. Awesome. Helena, congratulations to you again. Really appreciate the time and looking forward to speaking with you again. Thanks so much, Sarah. It was really a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And we thank your audience for tuning in to another great segment of Conversations Live. Until next time, I'm your host, Cyrus Webb, saying as always, enjoy your day, enjoy your life, enjoy your world. Thank you all for choosing Conversations Live. Let's go make today amazing. Take care. <music>